Hey guys, welcome to EA Sports episode 4. I'm here with Ethan and our special guest, Christopher Dahlia. Chris, how are you today? I'm great, Anch. How are you? I'm great. How how did you feel on the first one? I feel this is your second one back. Did you have fun on the first one? You know, I had... It was awesome, you know? I felt like I can... I was incorporated well and I can adjust to the level of professionalism that you guys have. Thank you, Chris. We love having you on and we'll definitely have you back a lot more. Ethan, how are you? I'm great, Anch, and I'm, I'm just excited to start episode four. I am as well. Without any further ado, let's kick it over to Chris for some soccer news. On Saturday, Belgium and England played as sort of like a loser's final because these teams both lost in the um, semifinals to the teams that were in the final. So we had Belgium and England. Belgium took took this game 2 nothing. Goal scored in the 4th and the 82nd. And, you know, they dominated this game. And I, I I like Belgium's attack. You know, I think they played great. And I'm happy that they got third place because I think they deserved it. I like Belgium's team. I feel like they can be a threat in the next World Cup. I like Eden Hazard and their goalie, Thibaut Courtois. Both great players, both good Chelsea players. And I feel like that Belgium has a chance to win the next World Cup in 2022. Really? I don't watch much soccer. But, you know, the only really thing I know from Belgium are their waffles. They have great waffles. And the French fry. Actually, they are credited with making the French fry. Those are really the only two things I know Belgium for. But now, a lot of people, including myself, will now know them for placing in the top three in the World Cup, which is huge. That is honestly a great achievement for their nation, and it's a great achievement for all the players a part of it. So great for them. Yeah, and um, each player actually got like a 5,000 euro euro little bonus, I guess, for getting to third place. What do you guys think about, you know that i absolutely love it i think it's a great incentive for the players to play at a high level i know the world cup is all based on nationalism and that pride for their country but um i wish i had something to cheer about you know yeah absolutely <laughs> i would love if the u.s got in it but no going back to the five thousand dollars it just gives them a little extra incentive and it's like you know great job guys we did a great job you deserve a little extra cash so i think that's a great thing that they did there and yesterday we had the big final against france and croatia um, a lot of people weren't sure about who was going to win this game since Croatia played amazing in their last game. But it was the, in the end, France was the better team, and they got the win. Uh, 4-2 against Croatia, high-scoring game, especially in the final. I was really excited to watch this. I think the reason Croatia lost was partly because of fatigue. Because in their um, knockout stages, they played two games that went into shootouts, and then against England, they played the game that went into extra time. So I feel like fatigue definitely had something to do with the loss. And France had one extra day of rest because they played before Croatia did. There you go. Absolutely. It's all, it all has to do with fatigue. That can be a big um, big attribute in their loss. But I do say at the end of the day, it's um, it's really down to stamina. And you see that throughout the ball game In the first half, it was much more evenly matched. But in the second... Um, I think they just ran away with it, literally and figuratively. They just ran away with it, and um, I, you going back to the fatigue and the extra games and the extra time, it just ate them up, and I think it eventually just killed them at the end. Started off in the 19th minute with a Croatian player scoring an own goal onto their net. The ball was whipped you know, in. That goal, I feel like, might have been the changing point. I understand that it was a mistake, and I, I was watching. It was a, it was kind of just like a deflection off the head, and you couldn't really control it. But that ga- that goal might have cost Croatia the game, because imagine if that goal didn't go in. It would have been 3-2, and possibly Croatia could have scored again. And so, and it might not, and like the goals that happened might not have even happened anyway. So it might have been, it could have gone a different way if that own goal didn't go in. You can look at this in a bunch of different ways. You can say like in almost every single game, you can look at that one play or that one moment in which maybe if it went the other way, 
it could have been monumental, and the game could have been absolutely different. But, you know, those own goals are tough, right? Your goal is to play defense, stop the ball, and you can't use your hands. So you're basically just using your torso and your legs and your and your body. And um, I think it was just a tough luck. Watching that goal, it was tough. Um, really, the only thing you got to pray there is that you have a hard head. And yeah, he <laughs> it did. ended up uh, just working in the other team's favor. The, the Croatians did equalize in minute 28 to bring it back to 1-1. But right after that, minute 38, uh, Croatian player Perisic, um, trying to defend a corner, put his hand up like he was trying to high-five the ball and gets called for a penalty. I mean, like, come on. That's, like, lo- that's, that's like common sense. You're, you're playing soccer. You can't use your hands. Why in the world did you go up with your hands like that? I mean, did did he dream to be a goalie and fail or something? Maybe like, he was listening to some Miley Cyrus and he just yeah. wanted to put his hands in the air. You know what yeah, I'm I saying? But, <laughs> you know, you know, I have no idea. That's, like, number one rule in soccer. Right. You're, you're taught that when you're like a tot when you're a young child like don't use your hands but i guess they have to reiterate it to professionals but you know tough luck again there yeah another tough goal well that led to the pk and then the pk ended up going in yeah two one um, they capitalize off that absolutely and i'd much rather take my chance from a pk than a corner kick the percentages are way higher from a penalty kick so again they're giving them more opportunities uh paul pogba um Got it to 3-1 as well for France. A beautiful screamer uh, that was delivered in the bottom corner in minute 59. And then um, the young star Mbappe using his speed to score the uh, final goal for France in minute 65, showing that he can come alive in this World Cup and, you know, trying to prove that as he's still young, but he's a great player and he will probably be one of the best. Mm, Mbappe, it just, Mm. uh, you know, he really proved it in this World Cup, right? He showed his quickness and his skill and his finesse he had a lot of you can just see how he handles the ball and how he just manipulates the players and really even deep in the game what minute did you say that that goal was scored 65th the 65th minute he's still out sprinting other professional players that's incredible to see and i think he'll just continue to get better he's also young and that's like the thing that i feel like a lot of like fans of his and fans of france should be happy about he's young he's only 19 years old he has so much more room to improve and i think that he's going to be a great player for france and france could win another world cup potentially if he keeps playing the way he's he'll definitely be their next next world cup oh for sure 19 yeah and 16, 69th minute, um, the Croatian player scored off the stupidest mistake the goalie could have made. I saw this. This was very dumb. It was, um, I believe, the French player Untiti who um, kicked it back to um, his goalie. And he tried to do a move and just completely failed. Tried and to just juke went him out. Off, yeah, went off the Croatian player's foot and in the goal. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I just like to react on some of these plays. I kind of want to know what's going through his mind when there's not much pressure Untiti forced the ball and he kicked it back to the goalie and that is not what you usually want to do usually the goal as a defenseman is to get that ball away from the goal keep it away but I know sometimes if you're tight pressure kick it to the goalie he can clear it he had no time to clear it that defense that um the forward was already on top of him stole the ball and um, kicked into the goal so another that was another not very educated play that we saw in this game I kind of blame this one on the goalie, I feel like. I feel like I've seen that in soccer and in other sports that like involve a goal where you kick it back to the goalie and the goalie kind of clears it back. I kind of blame this one on Untiti. He should have known that 
okay, there's a player that's coming up on my goalie and yep. pressuring him. No point in passing it to the goalie. Just I don't blame. Kick them it out. Don't right. matter if Clear they get. A, don't matter if they get a throw in or not. Just kick right. it France. Out. They already had a lead. So why? Yeah. It so didn't, why would you It do didn't that? really make the biggest difference, but it's still a key. It's still a key play in the game that I feel like they need to watch. Yeah, and that that was the final game score for two. France won their second World Cup, and three three world records came out of this. Really. Um, the first one we have is Mbappe, the youngest player ever to win a World Cup. Nineteen years of age. Future star. I'm telling you, he's gonna be he's gonna be something in the soccer world. So soccer fans, just watch out for him. He's gonna be something. And like I said last episode, Croatia. This is the longest they've gotten at any of the World Cups. You know, I think they should be extremely proud. Oh yeah, if I'm a Croatian fan. I'm so proud. And Croatia coming into this final had really nothing to lose. I'm sure they would have rather walked away with the victory. But this is this is great for their country. This is great for their soccer team. And if I'm a Croatian fan. I'm really happy. And a little bit of a fun fact. The second best finish Croatia had was in 1998 when they had a third place finish when France won the World Cup also then. So, so it's a little deja vu for them that they end up falling to France. But I think it's just the building block. And they can yeah. use this... Uh, to really rally their country behind them. And maybe if people there are not really interested in soccer or the World Cup, this will give them something to root for, and especially seeing that their team has so much success. No one really expected um, Croatia to make it to the final. Like I was looking over the groups before the World Cup started, and I kind of just glanced over Croatia's name thinking, okay, there's going to be one of those teams that I guess falls in the group stages. They made it to the knockout round and surprisingly just went far. And so, really proud of Croatia. If I'm, a, if I'm a Croatian fan, I should be really happy for my team. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the last world record is my favorite, to be honest. Um, the French coach, Didier Deschamps, joined Franz Beckenbauer, a football legend, a, Ger- a f- German football legend, and Mario Zagallo as World Cup winners, as players, and as a manager. This is incredible, in my opinion, because it shows two different aspects of the game. You look at it, and... That means if they if they were on a team that won the World Cup, that shows that they were at the top of their game and that they were a contributor and that they had success as a player, right? But then seeing that they won it as a manager, that also shows another skill set in which that they can lead a team in a different way to a World Cup being a manager and in a managerial position. And because um, I know a lot of players, you see it, you see it in every sport, baseball, basketball, some players, they can be really, really good at their craft, but some are just not meant to be managers. They don't have that skill set. Maybe they're not a good leader. Or they're not a good communicator. But um, and then some players and then some managers who might not have been the best players could be wonderful, wonderful managers and coaches and maybe they just have these skill sets that they were born with or developed. But um, this shows for these three men that they are just at the top of their craft playing and in a managerial position. Oh, yeah, this is going to be one of the records, one of the best records ever. You know, I'd be really proud if I was, you know, one of them or two. Um, next, we're going to go over the Trump transfer news. As I talked about last episode, we have Cristiano Ronaldo leaving his team, Real Madrid. Now... If that couldn't get any worse as they lost the best player um, there, three key figures also left. Or, yeah, Benzema, the forward for Real Madrid, also wants left, left. And Zinedine Zidane, a French coach and one of the greatest players of all time for Real, also left. And, and there's rumors that even Gareth Bale, the attacker, wants to leave too and possibly be going to Manchester United. I mean, everyone's leaving. I feel like Real Madrid now just needs to start from scratch. I mean, great team, great 
Just great franchise. I think when you think of Real Madrid, you think of just a lot of good history. They won the Champions League a couple times, and I think now they just got to build from scratch. And I feel like that team, the name Real Madrid, will attract players. And I feel like that's a big thing. Since Real Madrid traded Ronaldo, you know, got 100-something million for him, they're trying to invest in new players, as in Eden Hazard, who you've talked about, you're a big fan of, and Mbappé. Trying to get one, the other, or even both. I like if they get both. I think if I think Hazard kind of brings a veteran presence. I guess being only, I feel, how old is he, Chris? He is twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. I mean, he's he has experience because soccer players do start from a young age, and he has the experience. And Mbappe, he's young. I feel like Hazard can help Mbappe. In my opinion, there's. I definitely think the name brings it in, right? Real yeah. Madrid, people want to play there. People want to play under that environment. And I, I just watched some games, and they just have a great fan base that is really supportive. But one thing that might be a hazard for this team is that they did have a lot of great players leave or get traded. And this means that they're going to have to go through a partial rebuild in which to get back to that position. But um, I think if they do get Hazard and Mbappe, they that will speed up the process mightily, and they might be able to get back into... Um, being able to get into that really top tier of their league much faster. Now, I'm going to talk to you guys. The prices of players, you know, they're crazy for soccer. PSG paid 180 million euros for Mbappe, a 19-year-old. God. He's already rich. Yeah. um, Do you think, you know, they'd possibly take lower pay cuts to play together for a great team? Or would, you know, they want money? You see that universally. Yeah. Uh, people will take a pay cut in order to play you saw with, with the, the Warriors. Team. You saw Demarcus it. Cousins. He took a pay cut. Kevin Durant took a pay cut as well. A so. severe pay cut to play with the team to win. Because really, these players, it's really about their priorities. Some players will play for the highest dollar. I see that where they'll go wherever as long as you're paying me the highest dollar. Some players want to go to win. Some players want to go to play with people that they enjoy or places where they want that that they feel comfortable. So. Truthfully, I've seen it where people take the pay cuts. Is it right or wrong? It's not up to me, but, you know, we'll have to see. What about you, Anchi? You think, you know, um, if if they get both, Hazard and Mbappe, can that replace what these other great players have? Well, I mean, you hear the names Ronaldo and Bale, and those are two players who I feel like are two best of all time. Not maybe, like, one and two, but they're they're legends of the game. And I feel like Mbappe and Hazard, I feel like Mbappe, he's still young and he can definitely do something. Hazard's a great a great player, but he's not at that superstar level in which Ronaldo's at. And I don't think they can replace, but I definitely think that they can do something if they get both players. You know, Ronaldo didn't come, become a superstar until he actually came to Real Madrid. You know, he was real amazing at Manchester United before. Yeah. But and coming here made him the man that he was today and the great soccer player he was. Mbappe kind of reminds me of that. He's young, and if he comes to Real Madrid, maybe that could help his career, and he could jumpstart and become even a better player than Ronaldo was. That's a lot. That's a that's big shoes to fill, but, hey, anything's possible, right? The final transfer I have uh, for you is a possible, not 100% yet guaranteed, but it gets brung up every summer for the past three years, is Messi heading over to England to play for Manchester City. You know... It's been, like I said, it's been brought for three years and hasn't happened. Do you think anything will change this year? Anything different? Here's my thing. Uh, Messi, if he, it's really he has, he's holding all the chips, right? Isn't it his choice if he wants to go or not? Yes. So it's his choice. And if he wants to be the man in Manchester and maybe revitalize the team, then that might be an educated decision. But um, right now it feels like a chess game, right? Manchester feels like they're playing a chess game 
between Messi and um, Manchester. It's like, where is he going to fall? Is he not? This has been this game's been going on for three years, yeah. right? I think they clearly have interest in him. Messi, I don't know if he's showing that he wants that he's meeting him in the middle and wants to play there, but you know we're gonna have to see where the chips fall. And um, if I had to make a bold prediction, I think there is a possibility he might go. I don't think this is going to happen, especially since Ronaldo left Real Madrid. That opens up just a bright road for Barcelona to win that league. I think it's really it's going to be easy for him now when they have, you know, they have Messi, Suarez, and a lot of other great players who I feel like for Barcelona now they have a clear path at the title. So I personally don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he's going to stay with Barcelona forever, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. I agree. I think if Messi leaves then their league will be a mess. Oh, yeah. Right? It will be real messy, right? Mm-hmm. This will not be. This will not go down well. And, um, you know, it's truthfully, it would really pave a way for these new teams to come up and be the star since Ronaldo and if Messi goes, then new teams can rise up and um, take over the league. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to go. I agree with – I don't think he's going to go. I agree with Anj. Um he hasn't proven himself this World Cup, you know. So that gets me to think, is he anything without Barcelona? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a valid point. But he is a star in Barcelona. I think anyone can say, I don't think um, Mr. Cannibal is a star in, in any way. And Messi is a star. So I feel like Barcelona's team, the way they built it, partially has to do with success, but I think that he really is just a great player. Yeah, he's incorporated very well there. Yeah. Now, that's it for soccer. I'll be sure to keep you more updated as the transfers come. I'm going to kick it over to Anj for some Wimbledon news. Thank you, Chris. Wimbledon was crazy over the last couple of days. In the semifinal, Kevin Anderson beat John Isner in a five-set match that went 7-6-6-7-6-7-6-4-26-24, the second-longest Grand Slam match going six hours and 37 minutes. And in the other semifinal, Rafael Nadal lost to Novak Djokovic in a five-set thriller. 6-4-3-6-7-6-3-6-10-8. I think, personally, being a Nadal fan, this was definitely disappointing, but I think Novak Djokovic definitely deserved it. He was definitely the better player throughout the match. He won that first set very convincingly. I just didn't think Nadal had enough in him to win this match. He did play a five-setter the day before. In the Wimbledon final, Novak Djokovic and... Kevin Anderson played, and Novak Djokovic claimed his fourth Wimbledon title and 13th major, winning 6-2, 6-2, 7-6 in a straight-set victory. What do you guys think about Djokovic's win, and do you think he's back? Because he's definitely been struggling with injuries the last year. I thought it was a very good win. I thought he deserved to win the tournament, just looking at his play throughout but I think really the match that really proved to me that he's back was against Nadal. I agree. He beat him, and he beat him in a five-setter, and he played really good tennis. He looked very sharp out there. And then in the finals against Anderson, um, he definitely proved that he's yep. back and here to stay. Anderson just looked outmatched. It looked like a David and Goliath matchup, and Djokovic took it in a straight set. So I think, I think he's 100% back, you know. He, he he was what twelfth in Wimbledon. He was twelfth coming in. I think he was around seventeen or eighteenth in the world rankings in the Wimbledon. Well, that's because you know 12. his injury. But yes. I think that he was number one before. And he he was number one for quite a while yeah. before um he um got injured and lost it. Yeah. So I think that injury you know it was a minor setback, but he bounced back where he where he belongs to the top. Now going back to Kevin Anderson, we talk about how he went and he had the second longest major match. When going 26-24, he also played an extended fifth set match with Roger Federer in the quarterfinal. So those two matches combined 
when he's played 11 hours on court before he went into the Wimbledon final. Now, imagine how tired you'd be playing 11 hours of tennis. Do you think that they should um, stop the extended fifth set, or should they maybe do something else? So I um, personally like the uh, extended fifth set to an extent. You work that hard to get to five sets, right? It's been a back-and-forth battle. And um, I like the fifth set where you have to prove that you um, deserve the win in which you have to beat them by two games. Yeah. So, But I don't like these matches that last 11 hours, even seven or six hours. Yeah. That is long. It's boring for the fans to continue, and it's tough for the players, and it's just exhausting. So yeah. I think we keep the extended fifth set to an extent, and then eventually I say you go into a tie break. But I yeah. like it. But to an extent, like I said, John Isner played the longest match ever versus Nicholas Mahu, which was 11 hours. Like, just imagine after you play 11 hours of tennis. So it was obviously stretched out three days, but you're playing 11 hours of tennis in three days that in total. Imagine like there's no point in even continuing the tournament <laughs> yeah. at that point. It's called you need a couch and a lot of and a lot of exactly. chips. That's what I would need. I would be out for days to come. That is ridiculous. John Isner, who's been involved now in the, in the two longest Grand Slam matches and the longest tennis match ever, made a kind of a thing that maybe they should have a tie break at 12 games all. Do you guys like that? I like that. Yeah. I think just like That's, what I was yeah. saying, to an extent, then you do a tie break. I like that. In the women's in the women's singles final, Serena Williams, who came off maternity leave after having her child, goes into Wimbledon and makes it to the final against Angelique Kerber of Germany, who... And Kerber ended up beating Williams in a straight set victory, 6-3, 6-3. I think even though Angelique Kerber, you know, congratulations to her. Do you think that Ser- this is a good f- good for Serena Williams after coming off a of maternity leave? You know, Serena's a fighter, you know. She she won't give up. Well, she's a tennis player, but she's a, yeah. she's a, <laughs> she's a fighter, fighter on the court. Fighter yeah. in spirit as well. <laughs> but I, I, as a Serena Williams fan, I'd be more than happy for her. Coming off that, yeah. ba- she had a baby, you know. She played in the French Open but pulled out because of an injury, and I think I was expecting her to win this, but Angelique Kerber just played a great match. And congratulations to her, and that's all we all have for tennis. So just to move on to basketball now, we're going to um, we're gonna talk about Jabari Parker and his signing with the Bulls after the Bucks released him. What do you guys think about that? I absolutely like the release by the Bucks. He has not been consistent for you. Yeah. We thought, looking at Jabari Parker, that he would be that guy to go with Giannis, to go with um, now you got Bledsoe, and he could just lead them to a possible contention for a championship. Looking at that roster, they had such a good fundamental team. If all of them played like they should have, and if all of them played up to their capability, but um, he has just been injured, plagued with injuries, and not been performing. The Bulls, they're taking a chance. Yeah. They're rebuilding. This might be great. If he comes back like an all-star player, like they're paying him to be. They're paying him yeah. $20 million a year for two years. That's way too much, in my opinion. And I agree. But if he performs like an all-star and he performs like he was, it would be a great signing for the Bulls. And the Bucks. I think it's still going to be great regardless because you spent so much time on him and he's just let you down. Time and you have Yana, and you have Giannis. Yeah, the Bucks drafted, I think, Parker in kind of thinking he was going to be an all-star that would lead them, but then they had a steal on Giannis at the 15th pick, and so they don't really need Parker anymore, and Parker hasn't been consistent. At times when he's played, he's looked like he could be a potential all-star, and I've seen that, but he's not consistent, and the Bucks just said, you know what? He's injury-prone. Very injury-prone, and I think the Bucks just said, you know what? We, we've taken our chances on you. I think it's time to just go in a different direction. So I like that move for the Bucks, and I like this move for the Bulls. They're a rebuilding team, and for a rebuilding team, you have to take chances, and to take a chance on Jabari Parker when you have 
a young player like Laurie Markkinen and a and a star in a potential star in Zach Levine. So I really like this move for the Bulls, and hopefully he can do something. Now moving on to Denver, they sign Isaiah Thomas to a one-year two million dollar deal. Two million dollar deal. Of course, Isaiah Thomas played very bad last season with the Cavs and Lakers, not really proving himself. Let's after not talk his... about that season. That was rough. That was really rough. I mean, he he really just coming off that amazing year as an MVP candidate. Yeah, I it was. I think I'm embarrassed if I'm Isaiah Thomas after last season. But you also can't blame him a little bit if um you can't blame him that much because uh, he did have an injury. But Ethan, what do you think about this? I truthfully think it's a great signing for the Nuggets. It's it's you are taking a very short rental. It's a two year contract. One year contract. A one year I'm sorry, one year two million dollar yeah. contract. You're not paying him very much at all. And let's just say I, I don't think he can ever repeat his M- MVP candidate year. I don't think he can do that now with his injury and with a setback. I think it was really just because of the team built around him in Boston that he had that season. Correct. That's and so I don't really think he can repeat it, but he can definitely be a very good player. And let's just say he does come back as a very good player. Like maybe not an all-star, but maybe a very, very good stable piece. Yeah. For two million dollars, that's a steal. And then if you know, I think this is good for Thomas too. I think he knew that going into this free agency, he wasn't gonna get the money because of how he played. And so he comes into Denver and he kind of has to prove himself. And I like Denver. They're a really good team. They have a lot of nice young players. They have Nikola Jokic, they have Jamal Murray, they have Gary Harris, and they have all these pieces that I think Denver can make a run at the eight seed in the West, and I think Isaiah Thomas can maybe have bring them that piece to push them over the edge. I feel like Isaiah knew he was going to leave the Lakers after yeah. they signed Rondo. Yeah, I think that was a given. That was, you know, if you have, when you sign, um, when you have three point guards, you know, one's got to go, you know. Isaiah Thomas was in a similar situation in Phoenix when Phoenix had three point guards and Goran Dragic, Isaiah Thomas, and Eric Bledsoe, and they ended up trading Bledsoe, I mean, not Bledsoe, Drogic and Thomas. So, I mean, Phoenix kind of screwed up there. And, well, hopefully Isaiah Thomas can do something in Denver. We're going to move on to Jimmy Butler. He rejected a four-year, $110 million contract extension with the Timberwolves. He was acquired by the Timberwolves last year. I mean, in 2017 on draft night. This is just, this is not good, truthfully, for the Timberwolves. For the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. This is a like great player. Exactly. Yeah. This is like a stereotypical like a dating situation, right? Yeah. Uh the Timberwolves, they're giving him boxes of chocolate, a teddy bear. They're really they're giving him time and they want him back, right? You can tell they match the they yeah, he, they wanted him Butler's back. Butler's throwing all the chocolate in the trash. Exactly. <laughs> Butler he dumped, ate it all. Butler dumped them. Okay, he <laughs> yeah. is dumping the Timberwolves and he is looking for somewhere else. There's been reports that he's as rift with some of the young players in Minnesota like Carl Anthony Towns, which do you think that might you think he's going to be a free agent next year? Do you think he has any chance to stay with the Timberwolves if something happens? You know, you have chance to stay with any team. Um, but rejecting a con I don't know why he would reject a contract like right now. He yeah. probably just wants to see like yeah. what offers he get. Kyrie Irving did the same thing with Boston. He rejected a contract just to see how things would go. Him and Kyrie Irving want to play together. They reported that they want to team up somewhere. They're both free agents next year. There's been talk about the two of them teaming up in New York. No, I, I, I can't see that. I don't know why. Why would you go to New York when it's a worse team than one of the other teams that they're playing Do you for? think that maybe Kyrie Irving going to Minnesota makes some sense? I think it's the other way around. I personally like it. I don't think, why would you want to build a base in New York? My, I get it, it the big lights, big market, but... um. If I was them, I would want to go to a team that's somewhat stable and that somewhat has a base. They, 
in my opinion, the Knicks or the Nets don't really have a solid base. Yeah. Either of them really don't, and I cannot see them teaming up in New York. I don't even think they're going to team up, period, in my yeah. opinion. I don't think it will work out for a team to pay that much money on each of them. I doubt this would happen, but I think that it makes the most sense for Kyrie Irving to go to Minnesota. Minnesota does not have the best point guard. Jeff Teague is a... Jeff I, think, Teague, I, I like Jeff Teague. I like Jeff Teague. He's a solid point guard, but imagine adding Kyrie Irving to that mix and just imagine the lineup that Minnesota would have and it'd make Minnesota maybe not a contender, but a very good team in the West. Well, you just got to look at cap space for them now. You have right. Teague... Towns, Wiggins. Your Wiggins. You're paying a lot of money for these players. Can they afford an Irving? And what are you going to do with Teague? Are you going to put him on the bench and pay him that much money to play on the bench? It, I don't think it makes sense financially, but I like the move if I'm if I'm a fan. As yeah. a fan, I like it. I would, a fan move. I would like Jimmy Butler to go to the Celtics, if anything, if we're talking about that, and they trade Marcus Smart or even... that. I don't think that makes sense because they no. have... A Gordon Hayward or Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, and I think correct all those people. Like are, I was telling you guys set. yesterday, I said I like Butler in Miami. How great would that lineup be? Put Butler in there with Dragic, Whiteside. Then you got other supporting cast like Waiters. You got a good team there. Yeah, and they have a great franchise and a great fan base. Put Butler there. I think they can definitely bump up in the standings in the East. So I like the Miami Heat. The East is wide open. I mean, with Cleveland and LeBron gone. I think basically the East is wide open for the Pickens. I think any team can make the playoffs in the East. It's wide open. Hopefully the Pistons. I'm crossing my fingers. Yeah, geez, being but, a Pistons you know. fan. I mean, if they don't make the playoffs in this week of an Eastern Conference, I don't even know what to say. Except for yeah, disappointment. Yeah. Moving on, a trade that happened. Jeremy Lin, who was on the Nets, gets traded to the Atlanta Hawks. Do you like this move for the Hawks? Absolutely. Yeah. Sound a great player. Um, I I don't think it's gonna make them a threat. Yeah, I think this is really just purely just as like a veteran. I I'm, I say veteran with quotes, but a veteran presence. I mean, he does help the team. Yeah, he does help the team. But like, do you think he could? The Hawks just drafted Trey Young, and I think Trey Young is a is a good piece that the Hawks can build around. Do you think Jeremy Lin could? I say mentor him in a way. I think he absolutely can. Anyone can mentor anyone if they're in the right position to do so. Or if they're willing to learn. If they're compatible, right? Like, I'm not going to... I don't think Trey Young's going to want to learn from someone he doesn't respect, right? Jeremy Lin is a player that showed that he could perform at this level... Played with some injuries, not has not been able to take the court effectively in a very in a quite he a long time. He was injured at the beginning of last season, so he didn't play all last season. Correct, and I think it, it is a great move for the Hawks. They are not going anywhere soon, they're unless rebuilding. their players are really going to step it up. But um, Jeremy Lin provides a little bit of a like like we said a quote unquote veteran presence, yeah. and he also stabilizes that lineup where you get someone that if he's not injured, you can kind of count on to give you some um support. There you go. The Nuggets trade Kenneth Fareed and Arthur and a couple of picks to the Nets for Isaiah Whitehead. I think this trade is purely just to clear cap space. Kenneth Fareed was a player the Nuggets thought maybe they he could they could mold him into something. Ended up being kind of a complete bust. He wasn't even in the lineup last season. And I think Arthur was just a contract that the Nuggets weren't willing to pay. Do you like this trade on both sides, or only like, or are you leaning towards a side? Love it. I absolutely love it. Like we said, they're dumping cap space, which is very great. But I've seen Kenneth Freed play, and I've seen him play when he's actually performing. Yeah. And he has potential. He's still, he's not too old, but he is... Um, I think it's kind of a Jabari Parker situation where you just kind of give up on it. Absolutely. And I would, I would take a chance on Freed. I know the game is kind of moving away from that big man presence, and he's definitely not 
He's not proven himself to be... Um, he should try to expand his game a little exactly. bit. Exactly, and I think that would really help uh, re- revitalize his career. Moving on to Kawhi Leonard. You know the whole Kawhi Leonard situation, right? How he's with, he was with the Spurs, he got injured, and then he just re- refused to play because I guess he didn't like the Spurs medical staff and how they are handling his injury. He's requested a trade. Where do you guys see him going? I'm going to start with Chris, and then I'm going to go to Ethan. You know, the big talks are him teaming up with LeBron in L.A., I mean, it's a likable move. I don't think it will happen this season. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen because the Spurs are asking for the farm. They are asking for Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzman, a bunch of people. And I don't think the Lakers are willing to trade those young players. I mean, that's just not worth it for Kawhi Leonard, who might leave. Because he's, he's, I think, going into a contract year. So he might leave, too, which is... He is just like a toddler who is not getting his way, right? So it's when mommy takes away the sucker. He... And the Spurs, he was he has acted so immature to say that he doesn't want to play based on the organization. Like, what are you doing? When you have Greg Popovich as your coach, exactly, you I would be grateful to be coached by Greg Popovich. It's like, and that that would tell me his other teams looking at him like, geez, if he doesn't like what we're doing, is he gonna like? Is he gonna refuse to play for us too? Especially has, lower teams. He's not loyal. Yeah. He has proven not to be loyal. He stabbed the Spurs in the back. I thought he was going to stay with the Spurs for a while. I mean, he won a finals MVP as a Spur. And I think the Spurs liked him. I don't know. He really, it was, Tony Parker made a statement about his injury saying that my injury was 10 times worse. And that was one of the reasons that was reported that he left. Mm -hmm. And it was also that he was trying to get second opinions. But I think for the Spurs, I think it's just time to move on. They've had a great run. They have not missed the playoffs since, I think, 1998. So I think this run is done. But to be coached by Greg Popovich, I don't know how you would leave that situation. Greg Popovich literally makes anyone who plays for him, like, a decent player. And I understand. It's like the Parker um, comment, it might not have been appropriate for him to comment on Kawhi's injury. Mm-hmm. But um, it's at the end of the day, it's talk. Yeah. Right? And It's a report, too. It's, so it's, it's a report. So, and I don't get why he wears that so, like, close to his heart, right? He's, like, it's pulling on his heartstrings that Parker is commenting on it. And truthfully to me... Um, is that a val? Is that a valid reason to leave a team based on a comment? I don't think it is. No, is Parker even there? Really, that that's the question we have to ask. So, um, I I truthfully think I could see Kawhi going to a team, possibly in a re. Maybe maybe he would be a good fit on the on the Suns. Maybe put him in there with that young team. If he wants to rebuild a team, that's a great team to be a that's part of. That's an interesting one. The I don't betting, think it's going to happen, though. The betting favorites go with the Raptors, which I was kind of shocked when I heard that. I was like, the betting favorites is that Kawhi goes to the Raptors. I like the lineup for the Raptors, but do you think that's even, like, a possibility that the the Spurs trade him to the Raptors? You know, it's kind of 50-50 because the Raptors, um, like, they play really bad in the playoffs. Yeah. I know Kawhi, you know, Kawhi's going to make LeBron their defense. Because LeBron just completely annihilates them every year. And um, it's got, Kawhi's going to help their defense dramatically. Yeah. But if, you know, yeah, one man helping you with defense and even, you know, playing good on offense and they're known for underperforming, In the playoffs, yeah. is that a risk that Kawhi wants to take? He's going to be traded, so it's not really his choice where he goes. But will he sign back? That's why I said that. I think the Suns is a great because they have young pieces that they are they, that I could see easily going to the Spurs in a trade for but Kawhi Leonard. Do you think the the Suns are willing up to give like I'm gonna assume Josh Jackson because he plays Kawhi Leonard's position? Exactly. Do you think they're willing to give up Absolutely. Josh Jackson for 
I think Kawhi Leonard, who's who might that'd not be even... a steal if it's just Josh Jackson. But I'm saying like I'm I'm just assuming that like Josh Jackson would be probably one of the players involved in the deal. I definitely... I watched him in last season. He, in my opinion, he didn't perform to my standards or what I thought he would. He kind of I was underwhelmed. I could see it, but um, I just think it makes sense because you have to go because you said they want the farm. You got to go with someone who has the young pieces. They have the young pieces, and then going back on the Raptors. They have a great team with him in the lineup. It would be fantastic. Yeah. I still think if they want to compete and if they want to win the East, they need to either fix one of two positions or both if they could, but definitely one of them. The power forward position and Serge Ibaka getting old. Maybe they need to change there. And Valanciunas, in my opinion, he is a under average, or he's an average or a slightly subpar center. Yeah, He's not really... He hasn't proven that he could hit the he can, hit the long range yeah, jump shot. It's kind of just mid range. Exactly, and in my opinion, he's an average center, so they need to get a little change in there. That's all I have for the basketball end of things. I'm gonna throw it over to Ethan for some baseball news. Thank you so much. And baseball is just fascinating this time of year. It is a great time to talk about it. We are right in the All Star break, and we are right by the trade deadline. So a lot of pieces might fall. Uh, one piece that reportedly could fall: Manny Machado. We all know he's going somewhere. Okay. He is not happy with the Orioles. Look at their record. Their record they is suck. <laughs> yeah, it is ridiculous. He, I don't think he wants to be there, and I think they think the Orioles, which I'm saying, could get maybe um, a good bargain back for him. So, in teams that are reported to be the top favorites are the Dodgers, but most likely the Phillies, because the Phillies are definitely that team who could use him, especially right now. They're first in um in their division, so I think it makes complete sense for the Phillies. I don't know, Anch, do you think he could go to the Dodgers since they have already pieces that kind of conflict with his position? He plays um shortstop, doesn't he? He can he plays third base. He has played third, but he prefers shortstop. So I think he wants to play shortstop when he goes. Who's somewhere. the Dodgers shortstop right now? Well, you know, it's like uh you got Corey Seeger there. Yeah. And he's a great player who will be there for a very long time. So I don't think it makes sense for the Dodgers, but I like the Phillies. I, I, I like the what Phillies. What about the Yankees? Haven't they been in talks for Machado, or they're not really a favorite? Correct. I think I said this on our third episode yep. that um, that the Orioles want back Sheffield, their big left-handed you prospect. You this, yes. And I heard reports that they do not want to give it up. I think CC Sabathia commented, do not give up Sheffield. He has so much upside, especially for another rental. Mm-hmm. Machado's a rental. He could leave yes. after this year. So, But if I'm Manny Machado and I'm going to a, a team like the Yankees, who I feel like are the second-best team in the league behind the Red Sox, do you think that can maybe push the Yankees over the edge? And if I'm Machado, I'm thinking maybe I'm the player that can push the Yankees over the edge and give you know, the Yankees at top spot in the AL East, and then move on in the playoffs. I personally do not think it makes sense for the Yankees. They have Didi Gregorius, who plays shortstop, and Miguel Andujar, who plays third base, both young. And Andujar has proven himself this year, having a great season. And it's not really the Yankees' offense that I'm really appalled by. Just I'm just going to skip a little bit in my notes. Yeah. Greg Bird hit a home run on Wednesday in a win over the Orioles. That's the 152nd home run in this half before the All-Star break. That sets a record. That is a record that was held previously by the 1999 Mariners, and they broke it. So they're hitting more home runs right now than than really 
a ton of teams, almost every team since 1999, and now they hold the record. So it's not the offense. They need to add an arm. They need to add a yeah. pitching arm or an arm in the bullpen. What are the so, Orioles looking for in this trade? Who are they? Like, are they, I'm, I'm assuming they're looking for young pieces, but anyone in, like, the Dodgers or, like, the Phillies that they're I'm just going to say for? they're probably – I don't know about position. They're probably just going to look for top prospects. They're just going to look at, is this your number one, number two? They want prospects in which they can build around. Tigers did this as well when they were trading – players like they um traded david price for prospects they traded Giannis cespedes for prospects i think it's really when you're a young team you're just looking for young players that can um do that yeah. and i think that's what now the orioles are looking to do they made the playoffs they had a, a kind of a good run but i think it's over and i think yeah. they all know it with the orioles being 39 and a half games out it is done this season oh, they're yeah. probably writing this one off and another news cardinals fired their manager mike matheny and actually put their bench coach Mike Schilt as the interim manager. Matheny had a great career with the Cardinals. This year they were underperforming though, and that is yeah. why they let him go. They are 48 and 46 and seven and a half games out, in which years before they missed on the playoffs one year, but be- previous before that, won they the made the playoffs. They won the, they were really competitors. They had a hundred win season one year. So, and then they cut the line. I think they just wanted new leadership there. So Matheny's yeah. gone. They have an intern. Um, yesterday actually was a great story and great news for us tigers fans we had justin verlander against the tigers and this was something which probably none of us imagined we would ever see justin verlander in a different uniform pitching against us verlander was a a, a detroit favorite we all loved him performed great with us in his career his average his era is 3.40 in his career and he has 197 wins such a successful player but he's kind of revitalized his career in houston he is 9-5, and five and he's a 2.29 ERA. Actually, the Tigers bumped that up yesterday and actually beat Verlander, and he took the loss. So um, how do you feel how, – how do you guys feel seeing Verlander play against us? You know, I'm being a Tigers fan, it was, it was um, pretty sentimental. I feel like watching him in a different uniform hurts a little bit. But, I mean, him and the Tigers left, I think, mutually. I think – the Tigers knew, all right, Verlander's an old piece that we were trying to rebuild, and we're not really heading in the direction Verlander wants to. And Verlander was kind of like, I need to go to a winning team now, and I want to contribute. So I think they left, they parted ways equally, and now facing each other, I think the Tigers um <laughs> showed a little bit to Verlander, you know. What was the score in that game? I think I believe it was 6-3. to three. I'd have to recheck that. Yeah. But, no, they, they did beat Verlander. Verlander actually took the loss. So the Tigers, I think, yep, 6-3 to three Tigers um, were victorious in Houston. Yeah. Um, now I just want to kind of get to this, Chris. I kind of want your opinion on this. Baseball is all meant to be very interactive. Mm-hmm. They, they've been trying a lot in the past years to make it in which it's kid-friendly and family-friendly. They want to bring people into the ballpark. And I was watching at Marlins Park. They actually had a dog day at the park. And I believe a young woman was throwing out the first pitch, and actually a dog caught the first pitch and it was really really cool to see how do you feel about baseball and teams like this making it more family interactive you know like you said baseball is a family friendly sport you want to get everyone to play it and i think that you know they did amazing with that letting you bring in your dog who is a part of your family you know that's what dogs are not pets they're family and you know they can interact and you can have fun at the ball game and that that catch right there that symbolized that you know that um you're free to come you know it's you're welcome here absolutely i know you we all play baseball we go to the field by our house and we just have fun right we don't go very often but you know 
it just it's a fun game. You, I know you guys. We just go hit hit the ball around, hit some yeah. ground balls, hit dingers. Yeah, hit, hopefully, right. We're, we're gonna work on that, but um, no, just hit the baseball, and it's just really fun, right? Anyone can play. All you need is a mitt and a ball and a bat, and it's very it's yeah. a universal sport. Um, and also another really cool thing that we saw uh, in the weekend is a duo for the Pirates, Gregory Polanco and. Starling Marte, they went, they hit back-to-back home runs in each game of the doubleheader against, um, against I believe the Twins, and they ended up winning each of those games. I think it was Milwaukee actually, and they won each of the games in doubleheader, and they actually swept Milwaukee in five games, a five-game sweep, and then huh. that really hurt because now the Brewers are in second place in the Ooh. division. The Brewers were playing so well before this, and I think if I'm a Pirates fan, I think Marte and the um, who's the other player? On Polanco. Both young players, I assume. And I think f- they lost Garrett Cole and they lost Andrew McCutcheon over the summer. And so I feel like for them, they're definitely liking this. And they're on a bit of a hot streak, I think, right now. So great win for the Pirates. A great sweep for the Pirates. And you know what? In the future, I don't think they're going to compete in any of the next couple of years. But this is a good start and a good foundation to a rebuild. And, and in the, in the offseason previous, they traded a lot of their pieces away. Yeah. McCutcheon, they traded to the Giants to try to bring back pieces. They also traded Garrett Cole to the Astros, and they brought back pieces. They have, they brought Joe Musgrove, who now is in the rotation. And um, Colin Moran, who's a young star. They're playing third base for the Pirates. So they've been trying, trading some of their big pieces. And I think looking at it, they have a very good team. And in the standings... They are um, one, only one game below 500, 48 and 49, nine games out, eight and two in their last 10. That's, so that's really good. They are on the right track, and I believe they can compete maybe very soon, sooner than most people think they can. Yep. And now I just have to ask well, I was talking about duos with Marte and yeah. Blanco. Who is the better duo right now in baseball? Lindor. You have, Jose, you have Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez for the Yankees. Excuse me, the Indians. The Indians. Lindor is a great player, young, is performing at a high, high caliber. And Ramirez, who is putting up an MVP candidate year. Or Jose Altuve, who is a hit machine. He cranks out singles and has added power to his game the last few seasons. And Carlos Correa, who is the better duo? I have to go with Altuve and Correa. Because personally, I feel like the Indian success relates to how weak their division is the second best team is the twins and i don't, I don't know how many games over 500 they are but or even if they're over the twins 500, are 44 and 50 so they're below 500 weak division so the indians kind of have easy going so really i i mean give credit to both those players great players but i feel like it's kind of easier for the indians than for the um astros and i feel like the astros are the world series champions and so hey you know that duo is definitely doing something yeah and another news uh Kate Upton actually is pregnant, and Ver- Justin and her are actually expecting their first kid. So, how how excited is that? How how ver- how interesting is that? I'd be very excited if I was them have- expecting their first child. Woohoo! <laughs> and um, uh, we like doing this segment um today in sports, right? Yeah. So actually, yesterday in eighteen seventy six, baseball's first no hitter was thrown. St. Louis versus Hartford, and St. Louis uh, Hartford was actually no hit in 1876. That's the first no hitter thrown. And Anch, how do you think that no hitter is just spiraled and just affected the game of baseball? You know, I'm sure at the time that was big news. Like, wow, in a baseball game, no one, the other team couldn't get a base hit. And now, you know, we see 
great pitchers and legends like Nolan Ryan, one of the best of all time. He had a couple. He had a lot of no hitters and a lot of perfect games. You know, Verlander had two no hitters. It's it's a lot of just great players. It's spiraled into something great, and I think it's great for baseball. I think it's wonderful because it proves like you see pitchers that are not at the top of their class getting no hitters. This year, Sean Manaya mm-hmm. from the A's got a no hitter. James Paxton got a no hitter. And these players, you might not be like at the top echelon um, in pitching in this day and age, but that means that just proves that that day you had your A game and you have great stuff, right? That proves to their repertoire of pitches and how deceptive they were. And it's a true feat. If you throw a no hitter, that is a great achievement. And I believe that this statistic is very interesting to baseball and to all sports fans. Those teams probably were embarrassed. Yes. Oh, trust me. I watched the Pirates get no hit by Max Scherzer last year, mm-hmm. and it was embarrassing to watch. It is. It truthfully is embarrassing for the hitters of, of the opposing team. And that's all I have for baseball. So I just want to say, everyone, thank you so much for um, listening to this podcast, and um, we deeply appreciate it. And we the, the thing that we love most is feedback. We would love feedback, how we're doing. And a way that you can do that is to leave a – on Anchor, I know you can leave a voice message, and we, yep. we are able to see that. And I, I think on other platforms, you're able just to leave a response, yeah. and we can read it, and we would love to hear it. And if you ask a question or give a comment, we'll try to play it, actually, in our next podcast, and yeah. we'll, we'll react to it and answer your question. So, And we would just love it to know so we can know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, and what questions that you guys have that we're not answering. So. Thank you, and um, I'll let Anch say another word about um, yeah. how he feels about the process. I love this process. It's just amazing and everything we've had. I also wanted to thank a couple people, some people who have been, you know, telling their friends about this podcast. I want to thank a couple of our friends, Cade, Chris here, and Jason. You know, a lot of them, they've been telling people about this podcast, and we really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, Chris, I want you just to tell people out there what has this podcast meant to you yeah you know it's it's awesome man um i remember when you guys asked me to do this i wasn't 100 percent sure about this but now seeing all the great feedback and everyone you know still believing in us and we can put out good quality entertainment and talk about you know this is in the end it's all for fun you know i'm having fun doing this hope you guys us as well and we're learning something and chris you know we'll definitely have you back very soon we we love you on here and you know what it's very fun having you. And I just want to say this. Actually, Ant was saying this to me before. We were kind of talking together about a promotion we were kind of going to do. Yeah. So we're going to say if you guys listening and you actually tell a friend to listen and they actually do so and we get a view from it, you can actually send us a message and say that I told one of my friends and he listened to it and he loved it and yeah. whatever. We'll and just let us out. know and we will give you a shout out on the next episode. So... We just want to do that. It's kind of a little incentive to you guys. And it also, um, we would love to get more people to listen. And I think that would be a really special moment. If we could shout you guys out, we would love to do so. And I just wanted to say thank you so much again. And we'll see you on episode five.